Hello, and welcome to Talking with Tech, a podcast episode about speech and language disorders and the technology we can use to help our quietest students communicate. My name is Haley Pezzarossi. I am a junior special education major at Riviera University, and my goal is to eventually have my own intensive needs or life skills classroom in either the elementary or middle school setting. After graduating high school, I initially went to college for speech and language pathology, so this is a subject I am fairly familiar with. Although it does feel like I can never learn enough about it because there is so much information about communication disorders and the science behind speech and language. Today, I am going to discuss a little bit about what speech and language disorders actually are, how we can identify and evaluate students for these disorders, and some amazing assistive technology that can be used to help our students communicate just like us. Communication is crucial to our everyday lives. We use it to share feelings, stories, ideas, to make new friends, and to ensure all of our needs are met. Communication is something we do from the moment we are born. But communication does not refer only to speaking. Communication can take many forms, such as gestures, body language, visuals, and text. The main goal of communication is to understand and to be understood by others. For some people, this does not come easily or naturally. Communication is a very broad category that includes both speech and language. First, we have to understand what exactly we are referring to when we're talking about speech and language. I turned to an expert in the field, clinical assistant professor of speech, language, and hearing sciences at the University of Arizona, Carol Weimer. Speech is the production of individual sounds put together to form words. Children learn the distinctive sounds of their language gradually and learn to combine them according to the rules or patterns they hear from the moment they're born. Language is a combination or system of symbols used to convey ideas and understand others. There really are two parts to it, receptive language and expressive language. Receptive language represents what we understand, while expressive language represents what we can say or express in words, phrases, and sentences. We often define normal and typical development using stages or based on age, but it is important to remember that every child develops at their own unique pace. When a child is not meeting certain communication benchmarks at a specific stage or age, teachers, parents, or doctors may be concerned about a communication disorder. Remember how I mentioned those stages and ages? By the time a child turns one, they should be saying their first words. And by the age of four, most children will be producing all sounds in their language correctly. Notice how I said most. Those of you in the field of special education may have just rolled your eyes at those facts, and that's because we work with those kiddos who do not speak their first word by one and cannot produce sounds correctly, even into their teens. We work with the children who do not reach the normal or typical benchmarks by certain stages and ages. The children we work with are affected by speech and language disorders. There are many different causes of speech and language disorders, such as brain damage, 
hearing loss, or other physical impairments. Speech and language disorders can occur separately or together. A student may have a speech disorder if they struggle with articulation or producing certain sounds. If a child is reluctant to talk or easily frustrated while talking, they may have an expressive language disorder. We've all had students who frequently have trouble listening to and following directions, but that's not because they want to make our lives that much more difficult. This student may struggle with a receptive language disorder. Speech and language disorders can also occur together, so any child could be experiencing all of these problems at once. I open this podcast by talking about the importance and the purposes of communication. One of the most important reasons for communication is to have our needs met. When a child is in need and they are unable to communicate in order to have that need met, it can be frustrating, exhausting, and maybe even terrifying. This is where speech and language pathologists and therapy comes in. A speech and language pathologist or therapist can be a great resource for a child with a suspected or identified speech or language disorder. According to ASHA, the American Speech-Language Hearing Association, speech-language pathologists are responsible for preventing, assessing, diagnosing, and treating speech and language disorders as well as swallowing disorders in children and adults. If a parent or a teacher is concerned about a student's communication, an evaluation and potentially intervention is necessary. Early intervention has been shown to have a significant impact on a child's speech and language development. Thanks to the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, evaluation and therapy services for children ages 3 to 5 are provided free of charge by the public school system. Jocelyn Lister, the speech-language pathologist in the Wyndham School District in New Hampshire, shared with me how she assesses and evaluates students with speech and language disorders. She completes frequent observations of her students and relies on testing. One of the most common assessments that SLPs use is the CLEF-5, or the Clinical Evaluation of Language Fundamentals Test, which assesses a student's communication and language skills through tests of sentence comprehension, word structure, word class, following directions, recalling sentences, and many more. This assessment is meant to identify language disorders, to describe the nature of the disorder, and to support planning for intervention or treatment. There is a wide variety of speech and language disorders that exist. Like I mentioned earlier, a student who struggles with articulation might have a speech disorder, while a student who struggles to listen to directions more likely has a receptive language disorder. Articulation disorders or delays are the most common speech disorder that I have seen while interning in different special education classrooms. Apraxia is another speech disorder which has to do with the brain and nervous system making it hard for students to form meaningful sounds or words in order to speak fluently, even though they know what they should sound like or can comprehend sounds perfectly fine. People with apraxia often have trouble putting words together in the correct order or finding the right word while speaking. It's like a constant feeling of that word being on the tip of your tongue. How frustrating is that? Stuttering is also classified as a speech disorder, and it is one that I personally struggled with as a child and sometimes still as an adult. Dysarthria is the term for a motor-based speech disorder, and this accounts for any condition in which the muscles in the mouth area are damaged, paralyzed, or weak, causing an inability to speak. 
Dysarthria is extremely common for students with cerebral palsy, a motor disorder, and amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, also known as ALS, which is a progressive nervous system disorder. Students on the autism spectrum often also have speech and language disorders. Some of these students are even nonverbal. I want to focus in on nonverbal students. In my opinion, this is the most challenging communication disorder that exists because unlike students who struggle with articulation or students who stutter, nonverbal students often don't make any recognizable or understandable words or noises at all. There are many different types of students who may be nonverbal. According to research, about 30% of people with autism are nonverbal. Students with dysarthria also may be nonverbal due to their lack of motor. So let's find out how these nonverbal students communicate. At the beginning of this podcast, I noted that communication can take many forms. Saying hello is a form of communication, but so is waving or writing hello. Due to speech and language disorders, not everyone can communicate in the same way or the typical way. Nonverbal people, for example, may use sign language, gestures, or body language in general to communicate their needs, wants, and feelings. A lot of nonverbal students learn to communicate by typing. Paul Kotler told his story in an Autism Speaks podcast episode entitled, What Does It Mean to Be Nonverbal? Paul is a nonverbal autistic college student who communicates by typing. Paul learned to type fluently to communicate when he was 14 years old. Since then, he has been able to independently express his intellect, thoughts, feelings, goals, and more. Paul also has apraxia, which, as I mentioned earlier, is a speech disorder caused by motor difficulties. Oftentimes, nonverbal people are mislabeled as cognitively impaired. Paul even received a misdiagnosis of an intellectual disability when he was younger. But the reason Paul is sharing his story is because he wants everyone to know that nonverbal people are not necessarily low-functioning. He urges people not to dismiss them, but rather to attempt to truly understand them and to listen to them. He says it requires patience, but it will be worth it. Let's hear what Paul has to say. Treat nonverbal people as totally intact in every way. Show patience and understanding without patronizing. Talk to us like peers. Everyone deserves dignity. No matter what a person acts like outside, they may just be unable to share their inner thoughts with you. I'm a living example. The behaviors I demonstrate outwardly have nothing to do with my intellect. In reality, there are full, complex people trapped within until they find a way to communicate. Overall, I want people to know that I am a normal guy who just happens to communicate differently than the vast majority of people. A guy who has different ways of dealing with the great amount of sensory input that is found naturally in the environment. And a guy who has lots to say if people take the time to listen. The typing system that Paul uses and any other device or tool designed and used to help nonverbal people or people with speech and language disorders communicate is called Augmentative and Alternative Communication, or AAC for short. 
AAC is a type of assistive technology, which is any piece of technology or equipment used to increase, maintain, or improve functional capabilities of individuals with disabilities. Although it sounds very fancy and technological, augmentative alternative communication can be as simple as a picture board with visuals available for students to look at and point to. AAC can also be a device like a computer or an iPad with apps that generate speech from text after a student, like Paul, types. There are also devices that use advanced eye tracking technology to type and speak a message for our nonverbal friends based on the movement of their eyes around the screen. An iPad is probably one of the most contemporary, affordable, and versatile devices that can be used for augmentative and alternative communication. To summarize, AAC and assistive technology ensures that everyone has the ability and the opportunity to understand and to be understood. It is the job of the speech pathologist to work with students and figure out the best form of augmentative and alternative communication for them. Jocelyn Lister, the speech pathologist for the Wyndham School District in New Hampshire, shared with me her favorite iPad app to use with her speech and language students. She uses the LAMP Words for Life app. This app is meant for younger students who are just beginning to communicate. It's an app full of pages and pages of all the vocabulary the specific student might need with both pictures and words available. The pictures fill the entire screen and when pressed, the word is said aloud. Students work with their speech and language pathologists to learn the pictures and the words and press these buttons in order to communicate their needs, feelings, or desires. Jocelyn said that some of her favorite features of this app include the fact that the pictures always stay in the same place so students can easily find them, and that there is a huge motor component involved in the use of this app. The app is very customizable. You can change the picture on each icon and the size of the buttons for ease or based on preference. There are several other apps on the market for augmentative and alternative communication, but the Lamp Words for Life app has great reviews. Toby Dynavox is one of the leading companies in the field of assistive technology for augmentative and alternative communication. The Dynavox itself was one of the first pieces of assistive technology. With a similar idea as the Lamp Words for Life app, the Dynavox, created in 1991, was the first speech-generating device with touchscreen technology offering screens of pictures and vocabulary for nonverbal students to use by touching or even with buttons controlled by their heads or in their hands, depending on their abilities. I mentioned earlier that children and people with cerebral palsy have difficulty controlling their muscles, which make it impossible for them to communicate in the first place. Oftentimes, they also don't have great control over their arms or their hands, and therefore they cannot type or press buttons on a screen. Therefore, many people with cerebral palsy who use the Dynavox had buttons on either side of their headrest in their wheelchairs, which they could press using their head to make choices, to type, and eventually to communicate. That was way back in the 90s, though. Surely we've come up with something more advanced, accessible, and technological since then. Most of the Toby Dynavox products on the market now use advanced eye tracking, a piece of assistive technology that I mentioned briefly earlier. The Dynavox company has been researching and perfecting this eye tracking technology for 15 years, 
And honestly, it is just incredible to think about the abilities of this amazing technology and the impact it has on our nonverbal friends. The PCI is a small camera that plugs into almost any device you can think of and allows the person using it to control the device using only their eyes. So not only can you type with the eye tracker and use text-to-speech so the device will talk for you, but you can open web browsers, watch videos, shop online, do homework, and so much more. I know I've already said this, but just thinking about the power that these devices finally puts into the hands of our quietest, most vulnerable population absolutely amazes me as a student in the field of special education. In addition to their incredible eye tracking technology, Toby Dynavox has made plenty of updates to that first Dynavox speech generating tablet. The company now has five different speech generating tablets with a number of different features, extras, and purposes. Some of them come with the built-in PCI for eye tracking. Others have a simpler design with just a touchscreen for motor-based speech generation. All of them, though, come with cases, so they are super durable, which teachers and parents know is absolutely necessary if you are giving any child or student an iPad or a tablet. Toby Dynavox also has a few apps for communication and even some really accessible games for our nonverbal friends. There are other companies in the assistive technology field working on some AAC, but Toby Dynavox is the leading name and the most impressive in my opinion. I personally have never worked with a nonverbal student. However, I have worked one-on-one -on -one with students who use different types of augmentative and alternative communication. As the one-on-one -on -one paraeducator for a sixth grader with Down syndrome, I used a visual schedule and a picture-based choice board all day, every day. Having the ability to look at and point in order to communicate and have needs met was much simpler for my student than attempting to communicate verbally, which was sometimes frustrating and tiring for him. Having a concrete and permanent visual was much more useful than spoken word, which is only temporary and can be frustrating for both teacher and student if repeated over and over again. It also allows students to take their time processing and formulating a response. There are many resources for simple augmentative and alternative communication devices like a choice board and a visual schedule, but you can even make your own to personalize it and differentiate it for your student's speech and language needs. In a different setting, while completing some field experience in an elementary life skills classroom, I was able to sit in on a few speech sessions with one of the first grade students and the school's speech language pathologist. The student had their own iPad with the LAMPS Word for Life app. This student was identified as intellectually disabled and had issues with articulation after being nonverbal for the first few years of his life. The app was extremely helpful with his articulation. Instead of using it to replace his imperfect speech, the speech-language pathologist encouraged him to try to mimic or repeat the word after he heard it from the iPad. After only a few tries, we heard him pronouncing some of these words flawlessly, and later we even heard him repeating words from stories or words he heard teachers say very confidently and independently. This was one of those heartwarming special education moments for me, and one I will probably remember for the rest of my career. Once again, the power of intervention, augmentative and alternative communication, assistive technology, and the amazing speech and language pathologists that exist absolutely amazes me and makes me proud to be part of such an important field. I 
As I said earlier, I feel like I am never truly done learning about the science of communication and about speech and language disorders. I learned so many new things while researching for this podcast, and I hope you may have learned something too. I want to leave you with a similar message to the one we heard from Paul Kotler. Students with speech and language disorders or nonverbal students want more than anything to be able to communicate with us, to laugh with us and talk with us and listen to us. They are able to do these things with the help of assistive technology, augmentative and alternative communication, and experts like speech and language pathologists. In the field of education in general, we focus too often on our students' disabilities rather than their abilities. It may be more difficult, but if we take the time to understand these students and really listen to them in whichever way they are communicating to us, we will be able to see all of their amazing capabilities. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking with Tech.